1: How's it going, everybody? Let's get the show started today. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, April 2nd. is just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, your sponsors,
0: as well as our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J., we need a song of the day. Well, I'm not going to do Fanzler, because even though it's on my mind, it curls. Instead, a a, a thematic song based on what I'm about to say. It's good news week. Someone dropped the bomb somewhere. Activating radio. I don't even know when that song came out, but I know it was in the 60s. How about that?
1: It's good news week. Is that song called Good News Week?
0: I think well, yeah, yeah. I think it's what it's called.
1: But I don't even know who sings it. Live stream <laughs> chat in the year twenty twenty. Who's heard that song?
0: Huh? <laughs> I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard it in years. It's good news. We
1: <laughs> the Benjirovsky show starts now. It is Thursday, April second. And live from Ben's attic, <laughs> this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, one guest and one guest only Union Man Ed Maher returns. And now your host, my God, this guy <laughs> loves Tiger King. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky.
0: Hey, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here calling this Good News Thursday, and here's why. Well, this isn't good news, but I just saw my neighbor <laughs> walking down the alley. We're in my attic. So, just, I'm, sorry, folks, but I was distracted. My neighbor walking down the alley wearing pink flip-flops. Did you see that, D? Hey, neighbor. <laughs> it's good news. Those pink flip-flops are really kicking it, Can we borrow some sugar? <laughs> we need sugar uh, i don't even know that dude <laughs> he's but he came well, i just up. asked him for sugar so. okay sugar, sugar, <laughs> de- de- anyway <clears throat> focus man focus yeah we're calling this good news week and here's why actually the news is horrible and you know that it's horrible everywhere i don't even want to take the deep dive into it because it's so depressing all right great show's over guys <laughs> see you later we're done so i mean you know i woke up at the crack of 10 o'clock today T to, ah you Got up early today.
1: I woke you up at eleven the other day, so that's a that's an
0: improvement. Eleven ten it was. <laughs> like oh my god, what happened to the? I'm going to bed later too. You know, I'm getting up in the middle of the night. You know, it's kind of a crazy time. Anyway, uh, Brown Line just went by. Everybody trains were running. Yeah, they heard it. Uh, <laughs> so uh anyway, uh, I woke up. You know, I said, oh, let's go see what the news is." And and folks, you know this. You know you read the same newspapers I do, you listen to the news, you listen to the radio, you read your Facebook feed, you well your Twitter feed. I mean it's just horrible news everywhere you go. It's scary, it's frightening, people are dying. And it's just, like now the New York Times and the Sun Times as well, uh, there's bit after obit of people who are dying from the coronavirus of the COVID 19. i mean it's just so you know like like, wow this is horrible and of course we have the most incompetent president in the world uh, running the show and of course oh no, i'm going down the good news and 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 the democratic alternative can't get a sentence out all right uh oh biden bros are mad at me again d they're mad at me sorry guys wait what am I supposed to do? Just say good things about Joe Biden. What a wonderful candidate! How about that, Biden Bros? You happy? Anyway, so I—I uh, I figured. Oh my god! I had a long conversation with the great Mick Dumkey yesterday in this very topic. I should bring Mick back for a political discussion. Uh, anyway, by uh, the way,
1: this weekend, get ready, uh, Mick Dumkey and Ben Jarofsky for a bonus interview at both Chicago Sun. Oh, that's the Metro train, by the way. So not shoot, only is shoot. the Brown Line right by us, the Metro as well. But anyway,
0: yeah.
1: uh, Mick Dumkey and Ben Jarofsky do a Bitty J bonus. This interview they talk all things bob dylan oh uh,
0: folks if you're a dylan fan you gotta run don't walk the
1: episode where dennis literally <laughs> fell asleep that's while recording
0: kidding. it that's because he was smoked so much reefer before we did the show folks i'm a john prine man uh bob dylan yeah is everybody well as everybody you know what yesterday everybody knew about tiger king but if i make a reference to bob dylan like the biggest thing in my life uh culturally speaking And uh, Murder Most Foul, which he dropped on Thursday, I want to say, a a 17-minute song poem about the assassination of John Kennedy. It's huge. (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: Anyway, so Mick and I, Mick loves, he's a young guy, but he still loves Dylan. How about that? You know who else loves Dylan, D? You'll be uh, stunned. I just talked to him. Miles Kampflassen, who will be a guest later today. Uh, He loves Bobby Dean. Saw Uh, that one coming a mile away. (laughs) Miles away? (laughs) who <laughs> uh anyway so that was a um, we're in a tangent here Mick and I had a great conversation about Joe Biden that's what I was going to get and we're going to bring him on to talk more about it so it's really hard to find good news anywhere so I figured you know what every day I'm going to go on an exploration for good news all right D good luck so, <laughs> well when you hear some of the items I have it's like oh uh, I'm really stretching things but this this is uh this is not a stretch Bernie was on The View yesterday, Bernie Sanders. Now I know my friends of the Joe Biden persuasion get really upset when I just mention the name Bernie Sanders. They want to forget that Bernie Sanders ever existed. They want to just like wipe him away. I just read this uh, column. It's an old column by uh, Joe Klein, probably going to be talking about with Miles Conflas Joe Klein. is an ancient columnist, even older than I am, if such a thing is possible, D. Uh, He used to be, here you go. When the war was raging and you were facing the draft, in the late sixties, guess what? He was a radical. <laughs> then draft gone, not gonna have to go to war. Oh, I think I'll vote for Ronald Reagan. Ah, my generation, ladies and gentlemen. And you know, I hate to uh, be
1: just a uh, Benny J. bonus pusher here, but uh, you mentioned Miles Flassen. We're doing something a little different oh, this yes. week. Explain this, uh, Miles Flassen, He's usually with us every Thursday, one that's thirty. Co- that's correct. Would you? That's correct. <laughs> But uh, we're doing something a little different this week. We're trying to switch it up here. Work smart, not hard, is the motto we're going with here on the Benjirovsky Show, live from Ben's Attic. Uh, so we're gonna have Miles Campbellson as a Benny J bonus. So uh, once we in the live show with Ed Maher, we're gonna record Miles Campbellson, and you can download uh, Miles Campbellson yeah. this weekend. Absolutely, yeah. We're trying to,
0: you know, every now and then you have to paint the walls a little color just to see how it things go. Turns out the
1: world's changing a little <laughs> bit, so we're trying to adapt with what's going we're on. Doing you a know? show
0: from my attic. Okay. <laughs> By the way, did I tell you about my neighbor's pink uh, slippers? Anyway, uh, so yeah. We need sugar. <laughs> uh, Joe Klein, uh, you know, he, he wrote uh, he wrote this essay that was just so condescending and patronizing to Bernie Sanders supporters. It's like one time I was a young man and I voted for a third party candidate. Is that
1: Bob Dylan? No, that that's about Dylan impression. <laughs> Joe Klein.
0: Uh-oh. Dylan would say, "One time I voted for a man." <laughs> Bob Dylan's pretty cool, D. Now, you you just got to say, you're hating on Bobby D. He's the man. I never understood it. He's deep, man. Bobby D is deep. Anyway, uh, so Joe Klein uh, wrote this column, really condescending, patronizing column, Bernie Sanders supporters. Like, how does he think that's going to work? I'm on a tangent with a tangent. I I knew I was going to go for good news, but here I'm on this tangent. So just let me go here. So Joe Klein, who is a columnist, I think he's for the Washington Post, used to work for Time. As I said, he was a lefty back in the day. And then, you know, as he got older, he went to the right. And and now he's one of those Dems. You know, well, you got to grow up and you can't ask for too much. And I got my health care. You don't have any? Get a job. You know, one of those kinds of Dems, really annoying Dems. Uh, And so, you know, he... So his advice to Bernie Sanders supporters is to just, like, shut up and support Joe Biden. And I'm like, what, what Bernie Sanders supporter do you think is going to fall for that? You've insulted them. You basically said they're a bunch of nitwits, you know, that they're going to grow out of this childish phase. Do you, wait, The issue is, will they have health care? When they're your age, Joe Klein, you know what I'm saying? It's like, will they still have bills that they're paying for their college education when they're your age, Joe Klein? Will will that enable them to grow out of this? By the way, there's my neighbor with the pink I flip-flops. just saw them,
1: yeah. Those yeah. are
0: pink flip-flops. I'm here to confirm, all right?
1: Those are <laughs> they, pink flip-flops. They are kind of
0: cool. So anyway, that's it. He's know. wearing a camo jacket and pink flip-flops. <laughs> no.
1: That's a first for me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's sort of like one is kind of defeats the purpose of the other. You know, the camo jacket you're supposed to blend in with the surroundings. I get it. But the pink flip-flops kind of stick out. I don't know. kind I am the last person to give uh, fashion advice to anybody. If, if you've correct. ever seen me. Thank you, Robert. Mone. Anyway, so I'm just wondering, Joe Klein, which, Ber- which Bernie Sanders supporter in the world do you think will be convinced By your article that basically calls them a bunch of nitwits i'm just wondering you know is that an effective way uh to win over bernie sanders supporters and i'm starting to come to the conclusion that uh well i've already been at this conclusion uh that dems uh despise bernie sanders supporters probably even more than they despise donald john trump well i've come to my own conclusion and
1: you go ahead with your riff here and you come back to me and i'll let you know my conclusion a little later I kind of want to hear your conclusion right now. All right. Yeah. And maybe it's just because I've been cooped in the house for about three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Watching YouTube nonstop, but I'm on to something. Okay. I think The View
0: doesn't like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> All, right. All right. Yeah. That's where I was originally. Whoa. Call me crazy, but I think The View doesn't like Bernie. Oh, that is so trippy. Uh... By the way, so that's where I. That was the good news I started with. I went on a tangent on Joe Klein, unbelievable column, folks. It's like unbelievable comparing his vote for Dick. Er- anyway, I'm going to take. The, I'm going to hold off on Joe Klein. I've already told to Miles about it. Miles can't last, and We're going to hold discuss it. But the notion that you can win over Bernie supporters by insulting them—interesting concept in politicking. You know, it's funny the different attitude that Dems have for, let's say, swing voters and. Uh, wisconsin or michigan who may go republican one day and may go democrat the next day and their attitude toward bernie uh supporters when it comes to swing voters it's like have the negro mr goldstone you're like they love them they're showering them with praise they're just like oh you're so wise and what can i do for you do you want a back rub huh? how about a sauna here have a pizza anything to win them over. Oh, you i know? love pizza <laughs> But when it comes, they work to, on me. When it comes to Bernie supporters, who are like diehard Democrats usually, shut up! Vote for Joe Biden! You're a baby! You're a fraud! Hippie! Yeah, hippie! You'll never get anything! It's because of you that all these swing voters won't vote for us! I don't know. You know, Biden bros out there, I know the last person in the world you would take advice from me, but you might want to think about changing your approach to win over the birdies by the party. way i
1: think uh, biden bros is catching on shout out to our friend kyle on the live stream chat he <laughs> weighed in and said ah yes thank you because the only thing that will get me to vote for a centrist gibbering democrat is a bunch of <laughs> biden bros <laughs> nagging me to do it foundations of a strong loyal relationship <laughs>
0: You're right, man. That's 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 their attitude. Who wrote that? Who wrote that? That's Kyle. Kyle. They're gonna go, Kyle. Hey, Kyle, shut up and vote for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle's like, okay, make that what a what a positive argument but you I make. Think Biden Bros is catching on. Well, you know that's what they are. I mean, let's just. Look, I, I, I didn't even know the... Uh, I wasn't familiar with it. I always thought that the Bernie bro thing was exaggerated.
1: Who knows well, who... I mean, we weren't supposed to say Bernie bros. Turns out it's the first word in that that uh, we shouldn't say. Bernie. <laughs> Biden bros is fine.
0: Yeah, I can't remember which which uh, viewer chastised me. You know, I, you know, I deserved it. Uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> For saying Bernie bro. But I was like a Bernie bro, kind of. Uh, so whenever I just criticized Joe Biden in any way, just pointing out something obvious like the man cannot talk, his supporters counterattack and they're more sensitive than Bernie supporters. Notice I didn't say Bernie Bros. Nice um, job. Yeah. Well, although you know the Bernie supporters who are women to come on the show and there have been many, don't aren't offended by Bernie Bros. I'm just saying Lorene Targos comes on the show all the time. She she's not offended by Bernie Bros. I'm just saying that, D. Just throwing that out there uh the great rachel ventura she's not offended by it right uh but uh anyway so going back to a uh, biden bros they're so sensitive and so they get so mad at me and they're always like trying to defend joe biden people who defend joe biden this is just really an interesting phenomenon yeah you know i liked them in the 80s as a character but i come on this i mean if we're honest what is this
1: the a team i liked him as a character he was funny <laughs> yeah he was
0: like mr t
1: the neighbor or something uh,
0: the neighbor no i thought you said the neighbors here anyway so uh (laughs) bernie was on the view that's good news and dennis has a whole bunch of great clips for it that's even better news we're gonna break it down and you can decide for yourself whether the view and mainstream media has a bias against bernie sanders uh so that's really good news what else paul Vallis. paul Vallis used to be the um Head of Chicago Public Schools. He was a revenue director for Mayor Daley. Uh, He worked at various school systems throughout the country. Came home to Chicago in 2019 or 2018. God, this is ancient history. And ran for mayor. Remember the mayoral election day? Good God. It's like. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And he was one of the many candidates for mayor. Anyway, he wrote a column for the Tribune. Can you show those listeners that newspaper? See that guy? Home delivered. It's a newspaper. Home delivered. All right. Home delivered still. And God bless uh, the deliverer. Uh, And folks, if you give delivery, home delivery, don't be cheap. Tip your uh, newspaper. Just to
1: show everybody that was not a sound effect. What's the date on that newspaper that you're reading there? uh
0: thursday april 2nd 2020
1: we're not liars yeah okay
0: right. <laughs> could have made it up of course that would have required me knowing the date which is always <laughs> a tricky thing every day when i start writing my script first question of the day, d man what's the date today be surprised how many times he doesn't know it and he's a millennial uh anyway so chicago needs a wartime financial plan now paul Vallis is the headline he's talking about the fact that chicago uh with the because of the uh coronavirus uh, pandemic will be having uh, an economic meltdown he's absolutely correct we're not even thinking about that because we're thinking about basic safety and uh, health considerations but uh one of the <laughs> i got a big kick out of this because at least, like he has all these different things that the uh, government should do to shore itself up, and it's advice that probably um, the mayor's uh, economic team could uh, could should should read the column and think about, but. Several of the um, advice recommendations he has deal with the TIF program, one of my favorite topics, and uh, how they should raid. Really? <laughs> how they should raid the TIF program? I've never known that. <laughs> and you know, it's so funny. Yeah, Howard Le- uh, Airman on the show the other day, Doctor Howard Ehrman, always a popular guest on our show. People love the guy. Uh, a doctor of the leftist persuasion. Probably Bernie. <laughs> way <laughs> smarter than us. Oh, yeah, he's way smarter. And he's always, like, giving me, like, Ben, no. He, he, have you ever noticed this? He's always, like, telling me where I'm wrong. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, Ben. It, it's like, and then he's got the camera. He's loves Zoom, ladies and gentlemen. Howard Ehrman is, oh is like brilliant when it comes to medical stuff. I got to give him credit, but his love for zoom, Howard, you got to. I don't know. Maybe it's okay. go to like a, a, a zoom class where they can wean you of your love. of it. Ben, I love zoom. Could you get closer to the camera?
1: By the uh, way, did you hear about that zoom story that went down? No. Uh, when uh, politicians, Chicago politicians, some aldermen and women were having a little meeting and, uh, all of a sudden, uh, like it was sc- like hijacked by porno what <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I missed the good stuff you always miss the <laughs>
1: wait, good stuff wait time out did you see that? Is is on the internet the following comes from blockclubchicago.org shout out to them they're still doing some awesome work here uh, it says here a virtual press conference hosted by Chicago politicians was cut short after someone hijacked the conference call <laughs> and started streaming pornographic images on Tuesday morning <laughs> Alderman Brian ha- uh, Hopkins oh. ben, of what ward second ward good what a dork oh Great. come on
0: Hopkins he's the one shoved Lincoln yards That's a really good plan. Oh, you're a fan. Alderman Byron
1: Sigcho <laughs> Lopez. Hey, which ward? come on, 25th.
3: That's correct. i a right. good friend of the show. And
1: Illinois state reps Teresa Mott and Ann Williams. They held a private press conference with organizers, health officials and reporters on popular teleconferencing platform Zoom. Zoom. Everybody loves Zoom. <laughs> I love Zoom. It says here the leaders <laughs> aim to call on Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Governor uh, J.B. Pritzker to close metal scrappers polluting Chicago oh, neighborhoods, mm-hmm. including General Iron and Lincoln Park and The Sims' management in Pilsen uh particularly because COVID-19 but 16 minutes into the zoom chat that push was interrupted by a person who said (laughs) yeah I don't care as confusion set in a pornographic video that included images of a woman who was not fully clothed began playing on the video call can you imagine if that happened uh, with one of our
0: zoom calls (laughs) yeah it's never going to happen on the Howard Airman Dr. Airman zoom call but uh Well, how many people use Zoom uh, on our show beside the doc? Anyone else? I think
1: the doc's the only Zoomer. God, he loves it.
0: Oh, Zoom, Ben. Let's do Zoom, okay? Well, you can call... No, 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 Ben. Zoom, Zoom, okay? Uh, Anyway. Based on this, I may want to do it more. I'm just kidding. Wait, time out. So was it porn or a naked woman? You know, there's a distinction, right? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, this isn't the podcast to talk about the (laughs) distinction between those two, but... There's so a woman with no clothes on, okay? Okay,
0: that's... I don't know. Okay, Jen Sabella, good friend of the show. Hasn't been on in a while. She's very busy. Uh, runs uh, Black... Yeah, I don't know. Is that porn? I... Maybe I'm... Pornographic images. Oh, well, okay. N- nakedness, is that porn? You okay, know what I'm saying? Ron Jeremy, can we... <laughs> Who knew you were such a porn, a picky porn person? <laughs> Jeremy. Oh, my God. I think that, Wow. You know, that's, the the that's main so story is that someone hijacked this thing. I know. I kind of went on a tangent. Here I am, like, like the editor in me, you know. I, yeah. it, well, let's discuss whether porn is the right word. Uh, but porn will get the most hits. Uh, good point. Let's go with it. I'm just saying, uh, I'm not sure. Just I need to know more about what was being seen before I say it was porn. That's all I'm saying, okay? I've seen porn, right, D? Okay. Okay, you're admitting too much on today's program. <laughs> I didn't say I watch it all the time. I just said I've seen it. That's the other thing. Can I go on this tangent? <laughs> Moving on. It's the, the the hypocrisy regarding porn. I remember Clarence Thomas uh, during the Clarence. Oh, my God, this is a memory from 1991. and And how the Republicans, you know, Obviously, Clarence Thomas, who's now a Supreme Court Justice, loved porn D, and it came out during the hearings. Like he, he would watch porn. Uh, what was the one? I think uh, Long Dong Silver was like his favorite. Oh my, where, where that where was his favorite. There. Okay, I'm just saying this is part of the. Joe Biden was the chairperson of these hearings. He was the Judiciary Chair, right? These are things you should know about your Supreme Court Justice and uh, Joe Biden. Uh, anyway, and the, the Republicans acted astounded and astonished and dismayed that anybody would dare to make an accusation against Claire Thomas. i'm like it's the biggest industry in the country one of them you know what i'm saying entertainment industries
1: shout out to brianna she says i love how ben is determined to get to the bottom of the zoom porn scandal <laughs> i'm not
0: uh, I, I you know what my state rep was in that meeting we should bring her on ann williams anyway i didn't even know about it uh in my defense it's brianna uh, so where was I? Oh, good news. Uh, more good news. And yeah, Paul Vallis. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy that Paul Vallis uh, has jumped aboard the bandwagon. He's seized eye to eye with Dr. Howard Airman, Uh that uh, t- uh, at this critical moment, in our city's history, we should just sort of blow up the TIF program. And You know, it's just a surcharge. They slop, slap on your property taxes, folks. You don't really realize you're paying it, just paying more uh, than the schools will actually get. And that money goes into bank accounts controlled by the mayor, and she's free to distribute it pretty much any way she wants. Uh, and so instead of distributing it for big-time uh you know, gentrification projects that nobody really needs, particularly at this time when and nobody can afford the rent that they have to pay, maybe it's a good idea to use it to pay, I don't know, pay our pensions, pay our uh, health care workers. How about that? Pay the people who are on the front lines, pay our firefighters, uh, who are on duty all the time, play a police officers on duty. I don't know, maybe that would be a good idea to use the money for people who are actually doing something really uh, significant and important to protect us at uh, this critical moment. So I'm with you, Paul Vallis. It took you a little while to get there, okay? I just took you a little while. I'm not saying some people take longer than others. But I'm happy to see that you and Dr. Howard Ehrman see eye to eye on the TIF program. So that's good news, all right? The the bad news is that probably everyone will ignore them. Oh, yeah, I need my slush fund. But uh, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe this is such a crisis, D, that um, Mayor Lightfoot will dip into the TIF money and use it uh, uh, to pay for the basic obligations without raising our taxes. What other good news is there? I was talking to Lenny from the reader. She's going to come on. We're going to do a bonus with her as well. Our Chicago Reader colleague, Lenny Mana Hoppenworth? That is, <laughs> that is correct. and uh,
1: That's our move. Ben's not great with last names
0: sometimes. That's I just our... like first names, okay? <laughs> I broke the fourth wall there, but that's what we do. <laughs> I just like first names, all right? You know, Lenny. Uh, let's think Lenny's cool. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Lenny is cool. She's super cool. But uh, so she's got, she was telling me that uh, indivisible activists in the Chicago area are uh, campaigning in Wisconsin Trying to get the vote out at the Wisconsin primary, so I think that's really cool that there's still activism out there. I'm looking for good news, D. And Lenny cheered me up when I was talking to her about that. Uh, and this is this is called stretching, looking for good news wherever you can get it. But in the Sun Times, we'll today, take it. We'll <laughs> take it. <laughs> Richard Roper, a film critic, Richard Roper for the Sun Times, my beloved bright one. Uh, he he wrote a, a column, 71 great feel good flicks. So if you're really depressed and you're stuck in your house, you want to see why
1: 71.
0: I don't, I can't answer that question. <laughs> it's just weird. What a number. I know. I just, I don't, I do not know the answer to that. That's a great question. Wow. Good question. I do not know. I, I thought for a second, maybe I'd try to make up some kind of answer, but. I don't well, know. we appreciate maybe that. Maybe he just got tired when he got to 71. He goes, ah, the hell with it. I was going to do a hundred, <laughs> but i not just at 71. Anyway, it's 71. Uh, but on the list is uh, the Nutty Professor, and he wrote this about uh, the Nutty Professor: the quote.
1: original or the Eddie Murphy remake?
0: Very good for knowing that. I give you a lot of credit for the. No, it's the remake, not the original, starring. Thank God, Jerry Lewis. Oh, boy, <laughs> by the way, don't don't no, uh, don't no notes, guys. No notes, no phone. <laughs> okay, you know, <laughs> just don't dismiss Jerry Lewis like he's you know nothing. Okay. <laughs> All right. here's what uh, he says about the Nutty Professor. A more enlightened academy would have recognized Eddie Murphy's tour de force, six character performances as one of the great acting turns of 96. Uh, yes, Eddie Murphy never gets it the credit he deserves. All right. So I know that's stretching, uh, you know, the definition of good news. But anytime Eddie Murphy gets, I think he's one of the 10 greatest actors of the last 30 years. How about that, D? Oh, huh? well, we are stretching. And finally, really stretching, uh, I'm utterly obsessed with Tiger King. I urge everybody to go out and watch it. Uh, it's, it's, got some, it's making some enlightening, enlightening points uh, about America in the age of Trump. I find that, I mean, it's easy. Tiger King, of course, Dennis gets mad when I explain things like this, but Tiger King... Well,
1: actually, uh, shout out to our good friend Radio Doogie. He uh, tweeted us uh, last night saying that, hey, Dennis, I've never heard of the Tiger King. I don't have Netflix. So yeah. There's there's one or two out there that haven't heard of No, no, no it's, it's it. more
0: than one. Or, the, the, the reality is, is that you can never assume... This is um, if young. If there are any young journalists out there who want to be journalists, this old goat can give you a lesson. You can't assume... That everybody knows something just because you know it. So if in your world and, and there's this arrogance that comes from people who think everybody should know something because they know it. And it's arrogance, you know, you know, like guys who like are really into rap, like you never heard of blah blah blah. And it is embarrassing when I look the person up the and I see they got like five hundred million hits and I never- Who is
1: your favorite rapper, by the way?
0: If you had to pick. Um wow that's a really hard question and i'll tell you why because i do not know the work of a rap any you know other than one or two songs or by any rapper so it's hard to say this one's my favorite okay i once looked at a um an exhibit dedicated to the life exhibit that's a rapper oh, is it for real that's the name of a rapper exhibit wow i did not know that uh <laughs> X to the Z. Tupac. I was obsessed with Tupac for a while, but not because of his music. I really don't know his music, just because of the life he lived and how he died. And I was obsessed with his murder, you know, who was responsible for it and his last words. And I could go on and on about this. I'll hold off. So I'd say he's my number one favorite, even though I probably couldn't tell you one song he did except that tribute to his mother, which... I, Dear Mama. Yeah, I did not know the name of it. Uh, but uh, anyway, so... Um, Going back to Tiger King, so Tiger King's is a Netflix show. It's basically a reality television show, seven parts, about the bizarre people who inhabit the world, the big cat lovers. And so they collect big cats like lions and tigers and they breed them. So they get like, uh, what they call them, ligers, you know, which is half tiger, half lion. And uh, they're all insane, by the way. Absolutely, utterly insane. And one of the main characters is a, a gentleman named Joe Exotic. Uh, and he runs a zoo, I think it's in uh, Oklahoma. The guy is completely whacked out. I urge everybody to watch the show just to get a sense of just how whacked out he is. And it, But he's kind of in an entertaining way. And while while I was watching the show, last night I was watching episode five, they revealed something that I did not know, which I should have known because I'm obsessed with politics. Joe Exotic ran for president in 2016 as a third-party candidate. And at one point—
1: uh, I remember that, actually.
0: I remember the name.
1: I just didn't know anything about him.
0: I remember like rumors about that, yeah, or not rumor. I remember people talking about that. What the fuck. Hey, watch <laughs> your mouth. I didn't. I, I, wow. I applaud that. And he, John Oliver, uh, who's I think pretty funny. I don't get to see him as much as I should. John Oliver did a bit about uh, Joe Exotic, and they showed that in the in the in the TV show excer- uh, excerpt. Uh, anyway, I've started thinking about the um, the similarities between uh, Joe Exotic and Donald Trump. And uh, I know you have to see the show to really appreciate this. I am we're going to write a whole column about this uh, because they both have bad haircuts. They've both been through really bad marriages. And I, I don't want to... Give away too much about Joe Exotic, but a very strange marriage life, let's just put it that way, that he's had. Well, so far, you've named two
1: traits of people I know downstate. So bad (laughs) haircuts, awful
0: marriages. Let's Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Insatiable (laughs) egos. Unbelievable. Have to be fed constantly. All right. And I don't know who has the greater need to feed the ego, Joe Exotic or Donald Trump. It's neck and neck. Uh, Relentless ambition almost impressive and they're wolf on this how you know I always say this when in the old days Steve, when we'd be on the train going home in the old days remember the old days when we would take the train home ah oh, the good old yeah. days and I have to nudge you because you're sleeping hey wake up <laughs> <laughs> snoring and so we go past Trump Tower and Dennis will go there's my two, come. Uh, look at my building <laughs> See that Trump name in there. That's that's the power of will, folks. That he would impose his name on that building in that central location in a city that despises him. That's our president anyway. Uh, very impressive, relentless uh, ambitions. I think they're neck and neck in that one. And finally, the most important uh, thing that they share: insane followers. Okay, so I'm watching Joe Exotic uh, and his uh, endeavors. Uh, showing what a lunatic he is. I'm thinking of Donald Trump, and I'm they, they talk about uh, Joe Exotic's campaign. After he ran for president in 2016, he ran as a libertarian on a third-party ticket uh, for governor of Oklahoma, and I looked it up. I actually did a little research about it, D. He got 644 votes. And I'm like, 644 votes for this lunatic? That's not bad. Well, yeah, it depends how you define bad. um <laughs> My attitude is, I think the people who voted for Joe Exotic are less crazy than the people who voted for Donald John Trump. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Eddie Maher will be here, the union man. Uh, we're going to be talking about labor in the age of coronavirus, and Ed's going to pick apart the stimulus bill. I'll tell some of the things that are in it that I, I wasn't aware of. Uh, so good political conversation with Eddie Maher. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call the doctor with the news.
1: How's it going, everybody? name is Dennis not a doctor alright uh, J.B. Pritzker is going to be giving his COVID-19 press conference at 2.30 make sure uh, you watch that you know what I mean go check that out and uh, for now we're going to talk about my theory once again that theory is <laughs> Ben call me crazy I don't think The View really likes Bernie Sanders uh, that much you're right please feel free to weigh in as we go along here. You know I will. live stream chat room you weigh in as well Brianna Radio Doogie KMA Berry, all of you, weigh in. All right, so uh, I went through and uh, found some audio. We're going to play the audio, and we're just going to riff on it here. Uh, Yeah, my theory. The View (laughs) really doesn't like Bernie Sanders that much. Obviously, Bernie Sanders was on The View, I believe, uh, two days ago uh, with The View. Whoopi Sanders. Whoopi Sanders. (laughs) Whoopi that's sanders. happened to me many times <laughs> Whoopi goldberg uh asked bernie sanders the question dude why are you still running we're gonna play that audio in moments but first i want to go back to february 19th mm. 2020 ben what was going on in your life february 19th
0: 2020 <sighs> god dang i don't know we were probably talking about uh the iowa caucus. Uh, february 19th just seems like ancient history right I can't, can't even think back that far I know, right? Uh,
1: but no, February 19th, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the, uh, the New York Congresswoman, was on The View. And uh, your favorite uh, View member, I know you told me this uh, off the mic, uh, Megan McCain. <laughs> <laughs> said anything. She asked uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yeah. the following question, and this is where my theory began. <laughs>
0: okay.
3: I want to talk about the Bernie bros. Um, the one thing that connects women on the left and women
0: on the right, I have found at least a lot of guest hosts, a lot of guests that have come on over the three years I've been here, is the abuse that we have all been subjected to by Bernie bros. It is, by far, of anything I've ever done in my entire life, the most violent, the most misogynistic, the most sexist, the most harmful. My mother has cried over Doctored photos Bernie Brothers have sent me, and I'm just one story. He has a real problem, mm-hmm. and I don't think that he's doing enough to tamper it down. Mm-hmm. If it were anyone, I'd say this has no representative of me. It's disgusting, it's vitriolic, and every time I see him talk about it, he's like, doesn't represent me, move on. Mm-hmm. You're an extremely powerful woman. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that he's attached to this deeply misogynistic, and I would go so far as to say violent, mm-hmm. sector of people?
1: Now we have her answer. We're going to play that in moments. First off, shout out to ABC for the audio. For the love of God, please don't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> and notice there during that question, not one person on that panel on the View interrupted. Megan McCain and wait, wait, hold on. Don't you think that? Uh, what about Donald Trump? You know yeah. what I mean? So, uh, Ben, your thoughts before we well, play it. Well, the, the
0: first thought of all people in the world that would be pushing that point would be Megan McCain. And I don't know a lot about Meghan McCain. One of the few things I know about her is that her father is John McCain. And uh, John McCain was ridiculed and demonized by Donald Trump even while he was on his deathbed. And um, so it'd just be curious that she she would have so much vitriol toward Bernie Sanders. Donald Trump is far more obnoxious with the way he used social media. You can't even put him two in the same sentence. Bernie Sanders is a gentleman. So all this outrage she has toward Bernie Sanders is a little misguided considering who she is and how Donald Trump treated her father. That's just that point. The second point, who's more misogynist, a Bernie bro or Donald Trump? How many, how many accusations of rape does Donald Trump have against him? And she's like saying, well, the one thing that unites all women on the left and women on the right is that they all hate Bernie bros. And they've been subjected to abuse by Bernie bros? Oh, like women haven't been subject, subjected to abuse by Donald Trump followers? By Donald Trump himself? Donald Trump himself is insane. He, just just watch how he treated Alcindor, the the reporter for uh, PBS the other day. Now,
1: where were you in this part where Meghan McCain was asking Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez the question?
0: I was in watching The View. It's not one of my—I don't really watch The View that much, so— I'm just, you're sort of dropping me in. You know, I've never seen this. I, Let's get Ben on The View. That's the campaign <laughs> I'm starting. I'm just saying, like, I, first of all, I give her credit. She's a very forceful speaker, Meghan McCain. I've never really heard her before. But all that uh, that forcefulness to direct at Bernie Sanders, and it, like he's the worst example that you can think of of someone who's abusive to women, and you're just leaving Donald Trump and all Trump supporters off the hook? I'm sorry. I I don't get that. That the hatred for Bernie Sanders is intense, man.
1: Here's the answer from Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. I've been subject to a lot of this stuff from all sorts of the all sorts of pockets of from the internet. I and CBP officers um, targeted me on Facebook for attacks when I went yeah. to visit the border. Um, they photoshopped. You know, people who are supposed to be protecting immigrants and children uh, photoshopped.
2: He's got to do more. Horrendous stuff. He's got to stand up and say it every day if he needs to. Yeah. Stop this. We're not accepting it. It's not good for us.
1: And Whoopi Goldberg, we'll be playing your clip in moments there. But yeah, that was February 19th, uh, that response from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ben, your thoughts?
0: Well, every day Bernie Sanders is supposed to stand up and denounce the people uh, who allegedly are his supporters, who use his name to attack other people. I think he's done it enough. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what more Bernie Sanders can do. The, the Internet is an insane place. And I stay off of it. Do you know that? You always tease me about it. I don't go on Twitter. You know, I don't go on Facebook. Because it, 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 it encourages this kind of hatred that Meghan McCain is uh, describing and that AOC is talking about. And so why is Bernie Sanders any more responsible than Donald John Trump? Why is Bernie Sanders more responsible than all of Fox, you know, all of Fox TV and uh, which is far more powerful than Bernie Sanders? So I just think they're using this as a, to undercut Bernie Sanders and his movement and to discredit him and discredit his supporters and to sort of that. That's why whoever was the listener said I should stop using the term Bernie bros because it makes it seem like everybody who supports Bernie or every male who supports Bernie's insane, hateful person. I could just tell you this, folks, the stuff I've received over the years from daily supporters, your beloved mayor, the city of Chicago, the kind of stuff they would send me all the time back in the 90s, it was pretty outrageous uh, as 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 pretty much as anything that's going on, on the internet now. So I, I don't know why Bernie, of all the politicians in America, uh, has to bear the brunt of his supporters' vitriol. It's, Bernie Sanders supporters are not the people right now in the middle of the uh, COVID-19 crisis holding church services and saying they have a First Amendment right to hold a church service no matter, you know, how many people it endangers. It's, how come Donald Trump isn't being held accountable for that? So I, I, feel, I think that the emphasis on Bernie bros as though they're the only bad actors on the Internet is an attempt to discredit Bernie Sanders, obviously.
1: So that was my first assumption uh, when I watched The View there, February 19th. Hmm. The View may not like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward to yesterday, April 1st. Bernie Sanders was a guest on The View. Uh, and, you know, it was it's a national show, The View. I felt actually kind of comforted <laughs> in the fact that <laughs> yeah. Bernie Sanders was on The View. And much like our program, uh, he was over like Zoom or Skype or something, and the audio wasn't that great.
0: Made me feel a lot better, yeah. first off. What about you? Uh, it made me feel better. <laughs> probably was Zoom because they probably love Zoom, just like Howard. It's the one thing that brings The View and Dr. Ehrman together. They both love Zoom. So, yes, Bernie was on The View. Uh, we have the audio from Whoopi
1: Goldberg. But uh, I want to give a shout-out right now to a feller named The Rational National. He's a YouTube guy. Uh, and uh, in finding my audio... For this, uh, he played something that was very interesting. Uh, when Bernie was on The View, they, uh, you know, when when you're on a national TV show, they hype it up. They give it like, you know, a bump. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about Bernie Sanders. <laughs> so this rational national guy, uh, he grabbed the audio. And it's very interesting because it does really say a lot about what the view is kind of going here. I mean, maybe I, like I said, maybe I'm just been cooped in the house for a few weeks and uh, I'm getting a little conspiracy crazy, but uh, just this little bumper, as they call it in the industry, Ben. This bumper really does uh, tell a lot here. So if you didn't watch the actual uh, interview on the view, you may not have caught this. Check this out. This is the bumper from uh, the view when Bernie Sanders was on. So he's about to come on, and they're like, "Hey, hang tight, everybody. Here it is."
2: Candidate Senator Bernie Sanders answer accusations that he's politicizing the pandemic to push his Medicare for All agenda, and that standing in the race could guarantee Trump another term. He's live on the View. Next.
1: <laughs> for those who may not uh, heard that audio, just kind of it, sum it up
0: there, Ben. Well, first of all, the sound quality of that was pretty bad too. So the views right.
1: struggling just like we
0: are. Well, you could t- no, someone recorded it from their oh, TV. Oh, I see. Okay, all right. Give the view a little. But but wherever the views in their the equivalent of their attic, like we're in the attic, uh, so we're all struggling. Uh, yeah, it's total hype, and uh, I guess the, they must do an analysis. Uh, the views audience is sort of like lefty or uh, not lefty liberals, liberal Dems, and uh, so they're outraged. But just the thought, why would you? I know Bernie's probably going to address this, but just like we should be outraged that Bernie Sanders is going to use the pandemic to what? As a way to get Medicare for all? Oh, let me think. We have a health crisis in this country. People will not be able to afford uh, health treatment, but it's bad to use that as as a motivation to get health care for people. That's somehow bad. We're supposed to think that's bad. This is terrible. Bernie Sanders will use this healthcare crisis as a excuse to get rid of the crisis. Coming up is Bernie <laughs> an
1: evil bastard. Find out after the break. So, yes,
0: there's a, an inherent bias in there. Like somehow or other, it would be bad to use the crisis as an excuse to alleviate one of the main problems. Uh. Of the crisis. Oh, that would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's an inherent bias in there that somehow or other Medicare for all is this evil thing uh, that we should fight at all costs. And if it's Dems out there pushing that line, that's probably why it's going to be a struggle to win over. But just saying, just saying, you know, we're going back to uh, our Joe Klein uh, discussion. If you want to get Bernie bros, oh, sorry, Bernie supporters, hey. <laughs> Bernie supporters to vote for uh, Joe Biden It might be good to embrace some of the uh, proposals and ideas that Bernie's been articulating and championing for all these years that have brought uh, these voters uh, to support him. They're not all insane, irrational nutcases who are uh, venting on uh, Twitter.
1: So not a great setup, really, for this Bernie Sanders
0: interview on
1: the View, but uh, we have clips of the interview as well, and that's uh, the clip that uh, people have been talking about for the last few days. Uh, when Whoopi Sanders approached Bernie Sanders, Whoopi Golder. Uh, I keep saying I Whoopi know. Sanders.
0: You're, you're, Who is Whoopi Sanders? A lot of reefer, a lot of reefer. <laughs> this guy, okay, folks, you know, remember that image Whoopi when they Sanders. when they uh, legalized marijuana of, of the legislator cracking an egg on, on the floor the well, Exhibit A, right over here, folks. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's all good, man. I make them. piece. you're thinking of Barry Sanders? I think I, think I am. Yeah.
1: All right, now here's Whoopi Goldberg
2: approaching Bernie Sanders uh, with the question, "Hey, dude, why are you still running?" I just, I have to ask you this question now because I've been watching to see what you were going to do. Uh, And I'm told that you intend to stay in this race uh, for president because you believe there is a path to victory. I want to know what that path is because this feels a little bit like it did when you didn't come out when uh, Hillary Clinton was clearly the person folks were going for. So can you explain why you're still in the race and what this uh, path is that you see?
0: All right, we have the answer from Bernie Sanders. What oh, been your to thoughts? The answer from Bernie Sanders. Well, do I? I hope I hope he stays in the race. I think that the Democratic Party is facing a crisis with Joe Biden as its nominee, and I know the Biden bros out there are all going to get mad at me for saying that, and they wish I wouldn't say it. They they want everybody to jump aboard the Joe Biden bandwagon, and I also realize. This is something that Bernie will disagree with me on and Bernie Sanders supporters will disagree with me. I I also realize that the Democratic electorate has made it clear they don't want to support Bernie Sanders, that people like me and Dennis are in the minority. We're like 30 percent of the voting electorate. That's pretty obvious. (laughs) I can do the math. So I realize that Bernie Sanders does uh, will not be the nominee. Even though I voted for him, I make that acknowledgement. But the reality is Joe Biden is a very flawed candidate. And not only that, he's a very flawed possible president. This is what I have this argument with uh, Biden bros. They're like, well, you know, he could still win the election. I go, that's not the point. How are you, what makes you think that this man would be a good president? And what characteristics, what traits has he displaying right now that gives you confidence that he has what? The capability of leading this country at this critical moment. And there's a lot of other Democrats out there that fit that bill. And I'm a little disillusioned with the electorate. We were the only people in America watching all the debates, Dee, I exaggerate. <laughs> Dennis, myself, and our uh, our live viewers are the only people in America who watched every debate. And all my guests that I made, okay, your assignment is to watch the debate so we can talk about it. Samina Mustafa, Leticia Wallace. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, so uh, Candace Castillo, all these guests that dutifully watched the debates and then came on the show all those times. And there's so many candidates on stage that I, re- who, uh, that I recollect would probably be better at this moment dealing with this crisis than Joe Biden. And yet the Democratic electorate chose Joe Biden because they thought he was most electable. They didn't think in terms of, like, who would be the best person to run the country. They thought in terms of who could beat Donald Trump. And now we're at this critical moment. It's pretty obvious. You know, Joe Biden is not the best suited. And the best defense I've heard has come from some of the guests on the show who say, well, Ben, he'll make a good vice president. Or he'll pick a great cabinet. Well, I'm not—we're not electing a cabinet. We're electing a president. (laughs) So— I think Bernie Sanders, by staying in the race, is forcing Democrats to just, like, think for a moment. You know, it's tough to think because you you, you just want to believe in your guy. And This way, Bernie, uh, Biden bros, you're very similar to Bernie bros, just saying. You want to believe so much in your guy that you don't want to take any criticism of him. You just want to wipe it away like it doesn't exist. And I think Bernie being in the race at least forces Democrats to think, hey, Maybe there's a better candidate out there to represent our party than Joe Biden. Stop
1: saying Bernie bros. All right, here <laughs> is the response from Bernie Sanders to Whoopi Goldberg. Got those names right. Yeah, Whoopi, not feeling the burn.
3: Well, one of the reasons, well, that's not quite accurate. I worked as hard as I could to uh, for Hillary Clinton. But the reason there is a uh, a, well, a but uh, a path bernie just victory.
2: just so we're clear you you worked for hillary but it took you a very very long time to 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 hop in and your people also it took a very long time for them now, to uh, hop in so sorry. I, mean, when i can, say that that's what talk i'm talking about
3: yeah, well i i don't accept that characterization but the point is okay. people have a right Why are you still in to the the race? Democracy.
0: Wow. i um You know, I just got to say different interviewing techniques. I always let a guest finish the question. You know what I'm saying, Dee? Finish the answer. Then you ask the tough question. Uh, And I don't blame Bernie for disagreeing with Whoopi Goldberg completely. You know, and this is another thing. We have conversations, relitigating the 2016 uh, election. And so many of my friends of the Democratic, uh, the Dem persuasion, the Hillary Clinton supporters love to blame Bernie. remember the Howard Stern wow, a great riff we had when Howard Stern interviewed uh, oh my God no, yeah do
1: so uh, Hillary do, uh, <laughs> do we hate Bernie? Yeah Robin do-
0: Robin. <laughs> Robin Speaking of guys who've got kind of questionable misogynist pasts I'm no just kidding. saying no kidding. just saying. all you Hey Megan M- McCain, what about Howard Stern? Now everybody loves Howard Stern, right? you know but you're you're ripping Bernie for being a misogynist, but you love Howard Stern? Anyway, uh, so I, n- I realize, this is why Bernie should be frustrated, I realize that you've invented this narrative, Dems, that somehow or other Bernie Sanders is the reason that Hillary lost. First of all, Hillary won the popular vote, but the reason she lost those key ele- uh, states in the Midwest. And we all know that it's not Bernie Sanders' fault, so stop bashing Bernie Sanders for this. Hillary Clinton did not campaign in a strategic way to ensure that she would win Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. She took them for granted. So her strategy was off. That and the fact she had a lot of problems, She was a flawed candidate to begin with. But her strategy was off. And if she wanted to win those three states, she should have campaigned in those three states and stopped blaming Bernie Sanders for the inadequacies of Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. And yes, indeed, he did campaign for her far more than she campaigned for Barack Obama in 2008. So there's a revision of history. And uh, when Whoopi Goldberg doesn't even allow the guy to talk just to shove the revisionary history down his throat, I think that's a little unfair.
1: I think we're all rolling with it now on the live stream chat. She's now Whoopi Sanders. All right. (laughs) The conversation continues.
3: People have a right. Last I heard, people in a democracy have a right to vote and they have a right to vote for the agenda that they think can work for America, especially in this very, very difficult moment. We are assessing our campaign, as a matter of fact, where we want to go forward. But people in a democracy Uh do have a right to vote. And right now, in this unprecedented moment in American history, I think we need to have a very serious discussion about how we go forward. And one of the things that I am working on with other members of the Senate and Congress is a new Stimulus package, which not only makes sure that all of our people in this crisis have health care, but also that they continue to receive their paycheck. We have got to understand where we are at. And right now is April 1st. Uh It is likely possible there are millions of people who cannot pay their rent, cannot pay their mortgage.
2: But wouldn't it be smarter for you to continue continue on that that path to make sure that gets done? Well, we are as doing it. I'm
1: doing it. I gotta love those Zoom calls. It gets confusing yeah. there at times.
0: It does, and when I hear that, I just feel a lot better about what we're <laughs> dealing with. Uh, so, Whoopi, yeah, you too. You're dealing with it. You're struggling with it too. I completely disagree with the premise of the question, and part the notion that somehow or other, Bernie, drop out of the race so you could spend more time fighting for the stimulus, as though they're not one and the same thing. As though putting political pressure on a candidate, the frontrunner, to join your movement to fight for better stimulus uh, relief is not like the same thing as fighting for stimulus relief. If you want to get Joe Biden and the mainstream Dems to articulate a Bernie Sanders-like point of view in how we open up government to be fair to all, you got to put political pressure on them. That's the reality. You don't drop out of the race. Oh, do whatever you want. Now the pressure's off. He'll just drift to the right. You got to keep applying the pressure. That's what Bernie did in 2016 with Hillary Clinton. It wasn't Bernie's fault that on the eve of the uh, 2016 Democratic convention in Philadelphia, the Russians colluded with the Trump campaign to dump all the private emails, so that the whole Bernie Sanders movement could see all the nasty things that the Dems were saying about them behind their back. That wasn't Bernie's fault. Shouldn't have said all those nasty things about him behind his back in your emails. Or maybe she had better email security. I don't know. I mean, here we are relitigating 2016 again, but they always go, Ben, don't relitigate 2016. All right, you stop relitigating 2016, Whoopi Goldberg. And so, no, I absolutely disagree with the premise. The notion, this is the problem with Joe Biden. As soon as he won, well, one of the many problems, the, the notion was he won uh, the three primaries on March 17th, and we're in the middle of this uh, COVID 19 pandemic. He dropped out, he just like disappeared. He goes well. I won the. I. I. There's really nothing for me to do now. All I, right, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, there's a movement out here, a party that's looking for leadership. Yeah, yeah. I'm going uh, to the old country uh, buffet. <laughs> Find me there. <laughs> it's like okay. We'll come back in September. You know. I'll just drop out for a while. I just. I'll see you in September, everybody. That's what all the the Biden Bros are telling me. Ben, you don't understand the strategy. See what he's going to do. He's going to wait. And then, oh, that's great. Dude, people be like, Joe, who? <laughs> I mean, you got to put the pressure on them. You have to put pressure on Donald John Trump to endorse the right policies. You have to put the pressure on Joe Biden to stand up for workers' rights. We're going to be talking to Ed Maher in a little while, you know, to guarantee uh, paychecks for workers who are out of work or to make sure that the government is f- providing the masks <laughs> that the workers who are in the front lines need. You know, y- This stuff doesn't happen if you just lay back and do nothing and just you you just think Donald Trump's going to do the right thing if no one puts political pressure on him. You think Joe Biden's going to do the right thing if you don't put political pressure on him. So, no, Bernie, I I respect you for being in the race. I hope you stay in the race and I hope you force Joe Biden to be more vigilant to defend Democratic values.
3: But wait, there's more. That's correct. (laughs) I'm sitting in my house right now. I'm not holding a rally in Wisconsin because of the nature of campaigns. Well, right now, what I am primarily focusing on with other members of the Congress is a new, Corona, what we call a coronavirus 4 stimulus package, which will guarantee that every worker in America continues to receive his or her paycheck, that states and cities get the kind of revenue they need to take, maintain their payroll and take care of the work that they have got to do. What I am very worried about. So, your plan is to stay in Well, you know, I just said that we are Well, for the fourth time. You're assessing. We are assessing. <laughs> okay. All right. We are assessing. Uh, very good. Sarah. Uh,
1: <laughs> Whoopi Sanders playing hardball.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I stand by everything I just said. I hope you stay in the race, Bernie. I hope you force Joe Biden to wake up and get involved. The notion that the Democrats could win in November with a candidate who goes to sleep like he's Rip Van Winkle, Winkle yeah. <laughs> at the height of this crisis is absurd. It's 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 the it's the same strategy that John Kerry followed in two thousand and four after the Democratic convention when he disappeared from public view. I guess my dem friends probably forgot this. He disappeared from public view, enabling George W. Bush and his operatives to impose their image of who John Kerry was on the public. It it was a dumb move in 2004 when John Kerry did it. It's a dumb move in 2020 when Joe Biden did it. And if Joe Biden doesn't want to run for president, if he's too tired, if he's just feels like it's just too much for him, doesn't like talking on TV, then he should step aside and let somebody else do it. And, uh, you know, J.B. Pritzker wouldn't be so bad at this stage, I'd say. So... I do not buy the notion that Bernie Sanders should drop out of this race. So, like I said, call me
1: crazy, but <laughs> I just don't think The View likes Bernie Sanders that much. I
0: think I oh, my God. I don't think. And by the way, OK, I admit I'm not a, a big viewer of The View. So you're going to have to answer this question for me, D. Is there a lefty on that group? You got Megan McCain, who's a Republican. You got Whoopi Goldberg, who's clearly a Dem. Uh, the lady who, I don't know who the other, ho- is there anyone who's a lefty? Like a, a Bernie Sanders. Is there like a, a Laureen Targos on that group? Is there a, a Rachel Ventura on that group? Is there a Candace Castillo on that group? Is there a Stacey Davis Gates on that group? I mean, I have no trouble finding leftist women to come on my show you telling me The you can't find a leftist woman? Is there, you know, a Sue Garza on that group? I'm, I'm just naming all the leftist women I know in the city of Chicago. Wait, hold on. Joe Biden wants to weigh in on this. Play
3: the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night, the, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. <laughs> Uh, there's your guy, <laughs> Dems.
0: <laughs> I'm. Around. I got my Joe Biden shirt on right now. <laughs> can put it on right now.
1: Live stream chat, weigh in. What uh, What's on your mind? We're gonna take a break here, real quick. Coming up after this break, Union Man Ed Maher will join us. So stick around. It's the Ben Jarovsky Show, live from Ben's Attic. Let me get some water. Hey, everybody. How's it going? We're back.
0: Oh, well, there's a different neighbor. She's oh. got like a... She, now she's dressed a little more sensibly. Than- ah,
1: what we're doing here, uh, <laughs> we're in Ben's attic, and there's a window here right in front of us, and we can see the alley, <laughs> and Ben just uh, spots out all the people he sees. I bet they love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. The guy with the pink flip-flops? With the, the camo cam- jacket <laughs> and pink flip-flops. That's a first. By I've the way, never seen that.
0: That guy? Huge fan of The View.
2: <laughs>
1: okay. you just... <laughs> Maybe... <Loves. laughs> maybe maybe he listens to this show and he's like hey
0: just by appearances i'd say it's more likely that guy listens to us than the view just saying yeah i know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover
1: all right ed maher is going to be coming up in just minutes here but first let's uh go to the live stream chat yeah apparently she's Whoopi sanders now we're no longer calling her Whoopi goldberg (laughs) okay uh let's see uh radio doogie was weighing in he said if you're a centrist you're too far right what do you think about that ben
0: well, you know, uh, Radio Doogie, I'm trying to be as benevolent as I could to my friends of the centrist uh, persuasion. But uh, I listen, I they're more right than I am. But too far, I want their vote. Like if Bernie was the president, I would want their vote. If, I'm, me, if Bernie was a nominee, I would want centrist Dems to vote for him. Just as though just like I would want uh, Bernie Sanders supporters to vote for Joe Biden. Uh, so that's my attitude. You know, you got to come together at some point. Uh, if you have to form a coalition if you want to win. So I don't want to just totally trash them, although they annoy the hell out of me these
1: days, that's for sure. Uh, Alan weighed in. He said, Whoopi is never going to take a risky stand. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I guess you don't get on the view by taking a risky lefty stand. I, I Like I said, I, there's no leftist view on that stand. It's okay to have a Republican. It's okay to have a Dem. Uh, it's okay to have Joe Biden supporters and Hillary Clinton supporters. But apparently you can't even get a – A Bernie Sanders supporter. That's too far left for the view? Bernie Sanders got 30% of the Democratic vote. Are you saying that that's too extreme? 30% of the Democratic Party is too extremist for the view? I mean, I have Joe Biden supporters on all the time, D, right? Yeah. David Seaton's on. Monroe Anderson's on. I mean, they haven't been on in a while, but I'm just saying. Monroe
1: Anderson was on yesterday. Okay, you're right. (laughs) You're right. You're right. All right. uh, And finally here, Roe. Roe weighed in. What's going on, Roe? Uh, it says here, Nina, I believe Nina, maybe Nina Turner. I don't know. Uh, it says Nina was on WCPT today. Oh my God.
0: WCPT Ben. wait, isn't that the one that fired me? Yeah. It's oh,
1: okay. the station that fired you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have to look into this one though. Although it was on the station that fired you. This is worth, uh, well worth looking into. It says Nina was on WCPT today. Like I said, I'm assuming that's Nina Turner. Nina was on WCPT today and it was the DNC that made JB Pritzker hold the primary and not postpone it. They said uh, they failed to hold it on St. Pat's as scheduled. They would take away delegates from Illinois. Oh, If he failed to hold it on St. Patrick's Day as scheduled, they would take away delegates from Illinois. What do you think about that?
0: I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I mean, if it was. A, it, it must be true if it was said on WCPT, okay? I mean, facts uh, <laughs> do matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, facts do matter. Uh, just don't talk about tips, man. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if that's true at all. Uh, J.B. Pritzker uh, was pretty determined to have that uh, election go as scheduled. And he made this point over and over again that he did not have the authority to cancel it. Uh, his minions made that point in their little tweets. Um, so I I don't know why they would be covering up for the DNC. So, look, it was not a great idea to have the election, uh, but it it happened. It's over. Thank goodness. No more Conway commercials. Uh and 35% of the people voted in the city of Chicago, D. And I think it il- illustrates how we should move uh, toward a mail-in uh, election more and more. We were talking about, who were we talking about that with yesterday? I can't remember.
1: Well, we, the news just broke. I think it was just you and I and oh. Griffin. It just came in on the news. That yeah. a mail-in
0: ballot, they're looking to do that. So, I don't know, man. I I, I I didn't hear what Nina said. I don't know who was talking to her. So, I, I, you know, I, I just think J.B. Pritzker... If all of a sudden he's going to change his tune and go, well, the real reason I did it was XYZ, even though I told you something completely different before, he would look pretty bad.
1: All right, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show with Union Man Ed Maher is just moments away. But before we do that, we gotta thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this podcast. Unions like, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126, and District Eight, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Nine, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Oh. There's Ed Maher. We're bringing him now. I love that sound. Let's see if Ed Maher answers. Thanks for joining us live, everybody. Ed Maher.
0: What's happening? Hey, Ed. What's going on?
4: Oh, you know, a little bit of everything. uh, You know, working hard and... uh... Kind of uh, watching the world go by, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, Uh, (laughs) working hard and wait, no, working smart, not hard. That's Dennis's uh, uh, his slogan of the day, Ed. As we struggle with the um, the fallout from the coronavirus epidemic, Uh, just talk a little bit about your how's affected your life, Ed. Are you working at home? Are you working at the office? Uh, How's it affected? Uh, I'm
4: working we're working uh, our office is still open um you know to be honest the impact on construction at least in the greater chicago area has not been um has not been huge so we still have a lot of members out there working and uh we've got you know we've got a need to uh to keep everybody safe more or less and to to be in touch with them and make sure their needs are being met you know it's it's a time for for all essential workers um but uh, in our case certainly construction workers to uh to put safety first you know it's important for everybody to have an opportunity to to get out and stay working but um you know it's it's not worth doing if we can't ensure that everybody's uh doing so safely
0: and that was one of the things i wanted to talk to you about it was going to be one of the uh last questions i asked you but since you mentioned it let's make it the first question uh talk about the impact uh of the uh, pandemic on the construction trade you say that many of your workers are still at work
4: uh
0: tell us a little well i mean about so it.
4: far uh so far um You know, when you're working on a project, we, in the immediate aftermath, saw some employees just say, "Um, you know, I'm not going to do this. I don't feel comfortable doing this. And those were uh, sometimes in large high-rise buildings where you've got an awful lot of people concentrated, um, you know, into a large area. Now, operating engineers are generally uh, operating equipment, like cranes or something like that, even, or an elevator in a a high-rise building like that. So their exposure to other workers is is still somewhat limited compared to maybe uh, painters or electricians or people who are working on the, you know, in close quarters. Um, But I mean, an operator, an elevator uh, operator, for example, uh, could see every single person on a high rise project three or four times a day. A lot of people coming in and out. So, so those jobs are particularly tricky and um, you know, we have been working with employers to try to find ways to, uh, to ensure that they have um, appropriate protective gear. Uh, Because otherwise, it's it's very hard to find somebody that will be willing to do that job, to be honest. But um, the Department of Transportation and um, like the Illinois Tollway, for example, the Capital Development Board have all stated that their goal is to uh, continue construction. And in the Tollway's case, and even in uh, IDOT, the Department of Transportation, they're trying to move forward with additional lettings because with so little traffic, uh, this is actually kind of an optimum time to try to get some construction work going. Um, on, uh, on our our roads and bridges. So, um, but I mean, as, as I said before, it's, it's always couched in uh, that it's got to be done safely. Um, you know, our, our members have got an eye towards their safety, as you can imagine, like everybody does, but uh, we've uh, we've got to be able to provide them that. So anyhow, uh, whether it comes to that, or just trying to ensure that uh, that benefits are being paid and uh, pensions are being paid and things like that, uh, we're all still working. Um, some people at home, most people in the office. But uh, as long as our members are out there working, we'll be, we'll be working as well.
0: You know, before we get into the specifics of the bill that was passed uh, last week and the impact it has on workers and getting the unemployment uh, numbers and stuff, just something you just said, at One of the first times you were on my show, the podcast show, uh, you, you had, I don't know if you remember this, you brought pictures of crumbling bridges and roads and were emphasizing the need for infrastructure repair Uh it's bizarre what I'm about to do. I'm going to quote uh, Mayor Rahm Emanuel, let no crisis uh, you, uh, be passed. What I can't remember what they yeah, said. Let, don't let a good crisis go to I, waste. Yeah, I can't. Just had a, uh, a mental I block think. there. It, just the thought of quoting Rahm Emanuel just, just uh, torpedoed me there. Um, but uh, talk about taking advantage of a crisis in a positive way uh, to – you know, have an infrastructure program and deal with some of these problems that you illustrated last year?
4: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the state last year passed a massive, largest in its history, $45 billion um, capital construction plan. About $35 billion of that was for roads and bridges. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you if, if, if they needed to shut down three lanes of, of the Eisenhower right now, they could do it for the next month or two months. You know, it's it, the, the difficulty, of course, is, Um, you can't plan for that. Nobody saw this coming far enough in advance where you can plan equipment and, and things, but there are ways to, uh, to maximize the amount of work that can be done over this, over this short period of time. And, you know, we coming out of the winter, this is usually right around the time that the construction season begins. So we start to hear from our members who are, you know, many of whom have been out of work for the winter and they're very, very eager to get back to work. And that is still certainly the case. I mean, um, these, these men and women are, are looking to get back out and work and um, you know so so the, the the workforce is there to do all of this and so far to be honest we we really have not seen uh, a massive um, negative impact on on hours worth for for construction which is remarkable because I mean it's uh, it's devastating to, to see the numbers um, generally out of out of the unemployment reports the to, to understand some of the pain that, that workers are going through. But, um, you know, surprisingly enough, these federal stimulus packages have have done a bit more than I think any of us would have expected to, uh, to address that.
0: All right, let's get into that a little bit. Uh, uh, we talked about this briefly before I went on the air. Uh, give folks a little sense of what is uh, in the, the package uh, that pleasantly surprised you.
4: Oh, I mean, in the, uh, in the CARES Act, um, just uh, last week there was a portion where a lot of it deals with money being available for uh, for loans for small businesses. So one of the things um, that was in there is for medium-sized businesses of 50 to 10 or 500 to 10,000 employees, uh, any business that would accept a federal loan uh, does so on the condition of union neutrality. So anytime during the term of that loan, if uh, workers try to organize the company is not allowed to hire, you know, union-busting consultants or, or things like that. Which I'm, I'm amazed that that, uh, that that made it into the legislation, considering that that started in the Senate, which is uh, led by Republicans. But I think the trade-off there was probably, um, you know, the fact that this is, this impacts medium-sized employers of 500 to 10,000 employees. So your, your small kind of mom-and-pop uh, outfits or even places that have a couple of hundred employees, they, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't be impacted by that, uh, or wouldn't be protected by that. There are a few other things. Um, unemployment has been, uh, I think 13 weeks. I want to say for the next 13 weeks, the federal government has added an additional $600 per week onto the uh, unemployment benefits. So un- unemployment varies from state to state, you know, the maximum amount, amount that can be collected. But, um, in, uh, in every state, the federal government is providing every worker an additional $600 uh, on their weekly benefit, which in many cases is you know, more than double um, what they had would have been receiving, or uh, this will more than double what they've been receiving. So a lot of folks who are out of work will actually now be um, getting as much as they were getting from work, or in some cases, even more than they were making at work uh, through unemployment, which... You know, it's uh, there are some people on on the right who don't like that idea, but uh, there are there have been a lot of gifts in these stimulus packages to businesses and things like that. Businesses that didn't save for a rainy day. So if uh, if these packages are going to help out workers, I'm all for it. I'm with you on that one too. Is that
0: uh, was, um, was there much resistance to uh, that insurance uh,
4: portion of the bill? Uh, no, I mean, the, the, the unemployment portion, I think that everybody knew it had to happen. Um, the the jobs report last week that showed that over 3 million people applied for um, unemployment, I mean, this this was not a partisan issue, or it wasn't an issue that any politician was would be willing to make a partisan issue. Um, you know, the, the country was quickly going out of work, so something had to be done, and, and I think everybody recognized that, so people... People actually really came together and and got some things uh, got some things accomplished. So there were delays on the stimulus bill, as you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably, if you're on Facebook, saw a lot of uh, friends posting terrible, horrible things about Nancy Pelosi and stuff like that. Uh, you know, for delaying a, a, a coronavirus relief bill. But um, the delays, um, you know, were to include more workers to ensure that more workers saw the benefit of these bills. And and there are, are additional things as well. Uh, the paycheck protection portion of it was uh, to make sure that any business that would stay open, uh, I think for the next eight weeks that wouldn't lay anybody off um, their payroll, they could be, they would get a, an, a low interest loan from the government to cover their payroll. And if they kept everybody employed for that 60 days, the loan would be forgiven at the end of it. Um, you know, there'd be, I think, a small interest and that would be deferred for up to a year uh, or half of it would be deferred for up to a year. but. Um there were there are a lot of things that were done to incentivize keeping people on payroll, which is I mean it's that's uh, a really important thing. and there are as much as people are concerned about going to work and staying safe, um, you know there are people who just live paycheck to paycheck' They'll learn mm-hmm. an awful lot more than we think and they they're concerned about uh, where their next where their next meals coming from, where their next paycheck is coming from. so we've got to got to do what we can to, to make sure that opportunities are there for people to work. Uh, Ed, before I went on the show today, I saw
0: a notice uh, pop across the screen that unemployment, uh, I think the, the number is 6 million, over 6 million new people applied for unemployment benefits. Uh, I don't want to misquote it. You've probably seen a, an update since I have. And
4: yeah, it's not, that's right.
0: That's 6, 6 million. It's this astounding number. Uh, just considering how... Uh, The economy seemed to be thriving just about, I don't know, February. It seems like ancient history. Uh, Six million people. I think there was three million last time. That's 10 million. Uh, Do you think we're heading to the possibility that we're heading to a moment where this country would adopt something like New Deal uh, type legislation that would directly impact uh, creating jobs for people who are out of work?
4: You know, I think right now in Washington, that's actually being discussed. The president has talked for probably the last three or four days about pushing a two-trillion-dollar infrastructure package, and that's that's a big part of what kept people working during the Great Depression. Uh, not saying that we're heading for a depression. Hopefully, we're not. But um, you know, public works and infrastructure projects are a great way to. Um, provide employment, but it also addresses a critical need that we have. Uh, it's not as though you'd just be giving these people busy work. We've, we've, at local 150, we've kind of um, sounded the alarm for many years on the need for this investment and the fact that we have so much infrastructure that's just uh, not being kept up to date and not living within its, you know, useful lifetime. So, um, so yeah, I think that there will be efforts. Now, how that's done, how it's paid for, those are going to be the, the interesting things to watch because. Um, you know, the president when he was running for election was talking about a trillion dollars for infrastructure. And when the plans came out on that, it was something basically where um, it was mainly done through public-private um, public-private partnerships, where, for example, an investment firm could buy a bridge. They could pay to uh, rebuild a bridge, and then they could recapture their money by uh, tolling that bridge. Mm-hmm. Now, that's all that's stuff that happens. I mean, that's why we have toll roads. But it doesn't really work on public water systems unless all of a sudden we're going to start getting gouged for water or um, like curb and gutter or some of these some of these very necessary pieces of infrastructure that are a little bit less um, revenue friendly. So um, the devil will be in the details, and I think um, if he's if he's really pushing for a two trillion dollar bill, and that's a lot that's going to our infrastructure, uh, transportation, and energy it's got the, p- the potential to be a really a transformative moment for the nation. Uh, I mean, we can we can start getting to work on some of the things that we've always talked about doing, but never had the, the money or maybe the political will to, to locate the resources to do, um, you know, nationwide high-speed rail, um, expansion of some of the more uh, vital uh, transportation corridors, things like that. So, so I think that, if, if ever there was a reason, as Dennis said, don't ever let a crisis go to waste. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was ever an opportunity to get this done and have, you know, the public understand the need for it, the true legitimate need for this, this is, uh, you know, I think we're living it right now.
0: And if you're going to expand these public works programs like you're suggesting, and, I, and I'm with you 100 uh, percent, that we will need to do that in the coming months, uh, if no other reason to put people to work and finally get around to f- fixing the the crumbling infrastructure that's been in a uh, desperate need of repair we're gonna need more workers uh, it's I yeah I mean, yeah more apprentice programs more training I, I, programs I,
4: I, yeah absolutely and 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 it's not as though we've got a shortage of workers in America we have a shortage of workers who are willing to work for you know eight dollars an hour or nine dollars an hour um, but as I as I said uh, you know a couple of the last times that I was on your show um, when we opened up our apprenticeship program in November, we gave out applications for a month for, you know, what at the time looked like it was going to be 100 spots or 200 spots. Now it's looking like it may be less than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had 5,000 applications. Like there are people out there who are willing to willing to get trained, willing to to go through these programs, and willing to work really hard uh, to earn you know, what, uh, what used to be the American dream, you know, the good, a good middle-class living with healthcare, the ability to retire someday. Uh, you know, people want this, people are willing to work for it. And, and like I said, I mean, at the end of the day, you remember nothing else. Just remember this. We don't have a shortage of workers in America. We have a shortage of workers that are willing to work for minimum wage. Uh, and very often it's been, you know, the, the utility industry and things like that that have tried to expand, um, worker visas and, uh, H2Bs and stuff like that using a worker shortage, uh, as an excuse, but you know, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't hold water because when, when Americans are, are offered an opportunity that doesn't put them below the poverty line, they'll line up and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll make everybody proud. All
0: right. Let's uh, put on your, uh, uh, your political prediction hat here for a moment. Uh, there's always been resistance, From the Republican Party to raising the uh, minimum wage, and I know you stay neutral, so I'm not going to force you into making uh, declaring yourself as a Democrat. Uh, But do you think in this crisis, when we talk about uh, uh, taking advantage of the crisis, do you think there some of that resistance will drop? In other words. so that we can raise the minimum wage, that we can demand that workers across the board uh, make more money so they're not dependent, like, let's say, uh, on food stamps to to feed their family. You know what I'm saying? So we're indirectly subsidizing businesses through the food stamp program. Uh, do you think that that we may see a, more of like a leftward movement as a result of this crisis?
4: You know, I, I, I certainly hope so. And I'll, I'll as I said before, the uh, the stimulus packages that were that came out of the Republican-led Senate were um, were a lot more worker-friendly than I expected. I I really just thought that we were going to see um, a lot of bailouts for you know cruise ship and the cruise industries for airlines, and that you know that would it would just be that and kind of on with uh, let the let the public kind of or the the working people kind of fend for themselves. Uh, but we didn't see that, and I think it's because everybody realized that was not an option with the, the unemployment numbers and um, and things that we're seeing kind of exploding right now. I think everybody realized that if you don't throw workers a bone here, there's going to be hell to pay. It's not as though you can avoid this. Uh, you can ignore this. This is a, a national crisis for workers. Um, so whether that'll translate to a uh, minimum wage increase, I don't know. I mean, I could see a lot of folks on the, on the, the right lawmakers that is, uh, saying you know that that's not necessary because these problems have already been addressed. Um, but I mean, I if if somebody couldn't uh, infer my political leanings from my previous <laughs> uh, you know uh, appearances on the show, they're just not paying attention. Um, but at the same time, I, mean, I, I always do say that when when uh, at local 150, I mean we've got 23 almost 24,000 members, and uh, we we split right down the middle, Democrat and Republican. So. Um, so I mean, their their we our membership is very diverse, and uh, I always look at it through that lens. Um, our, my political beliefs aside, my my job and my my passion for what I do is uh, at finding you know ways to advocate for workers, finding elected officials who are working willing to advocate for workers, no matter what uh, political party they belong to. And there are legitimately very very friendly. Um, Republicans who will look out for workers in many ways, maybe not to the same level as a lot of Democrats, but Illinois is is really fortunate, especially in our congressional delegation, um, as well as our state representatives and senators. We have a lot of a lot of very worker-friendly people who are who are not in it to public to to punish workers. Now, other states, you got folks from Tennessee and things like that that are seems like they uh, they put people out of work and go home and laugh and smoke a cigar, but Um, I think those days are coming to an end because everybody in America, there's no state that hasn't been touched by this, and everybody is going to be approaching these elections, which is a whole other matter. um, You know, wondering what these people did for them when it counted. So I think everybody's kind of trying to um, paint themselves as you know a hero for the working class, and if they are willing to legitimately do the work and do it, that's it benefits everybody.
0: Well, and also when you were talking, uh, I was when you were you were talking about the. The fact that they just didn't that Congress didn't just hand out allowances to big companies. I was flashing back to two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, and there was criticism. Uh, Trump took advantage of it to get elected, uh, so it wasn't just Democrats yes. uh, criticizing the, the the bailout bills of two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. It was just a handout, and there were no provisions to prevent what uh, companies from giving bonuses to uh, CEOs. Uh, who were at the helm of the ship when it was going down. So I think perhaps, it's really rare for me to be optimistic, Ed, but perhaps people learned a lesson from uh, 2008, 2009. Do you think that's a possibility?
4: Um, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't really know. You know I, it, it's really hard to say. I will say that, um, you know, folks on the conservative side uh, who, and I mean we really haven't heard much out of them lately anyway, um, when it comes to, you know, we've got to cut spending, we've got to decrease the deficit because um, the president's been increasing the the deficit and the national debt um, quite tremendously even before this. But um, you know, the fact that there was so much uproar over an 800 billion dollar stimulus in 2008, and I mean, in the past what two weeks we've yeah. done six billion, so um, it's it's needed. I mean, everybody knows that this is there's never been a challenge where um, Americans have been put out of work in these numbers so quickly before. So, um, you know, we've got to throw every, every resource we've got at it. And I mean, other, other countries are doing the very same thing. It's, it's a unique moment. It's really going to be interesting to see what uh, international relations are like after this, when it comes to, uh, you know, sharing resources and trade and, uh, and um, you know, foreign aid and things like that. I think it could go one of two ways, people going out of their way to help one another or people battening down the hatches and, and uh, you know, saying America first or, you know, whatever other country first. So it's, it's going to be truly interesting to see uh, what the what the lasting lessons for this are going to be.
0: Well, I'd like to t- uh, just emphasize one more time the union neutrality uh, provision uh, in the bill. So many times when you've been on the show, Ed, we talked about a right to work efforts in states like Missouri and Michigan and Indiana. And uh, the the last time we were on the show, or maybe it was the time before that, we were talking about uh, a constitutional amendment in Illinois uh, to protect workers from some some initiatives. And, you know, when when we had those discussions, we, we were putting them in the context of political opposition that the unions would face, that the unions would confront a very well-financed and organized opposition. And now here we are a month or two later, and you're telling me that without resistance, Congress, the Senate agreed to put that provision about union neutrality in their uh, legislation. It is two different worlds from the conversation we were having just two months ago.
4: It, you know, I will I will say this. I, 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 I never want to kill your optimism. Dan, <laughs> because it just makes me smile. Yeah. But... Uh, but I, I mean, there, there, <laughs> there was, this was the product of a negotiation. So there was more to be had, um, but it was tamped down. But I mean, the, the, the idea that, um, that opposition, like legislative bans on rights to work laws wouldn't see substantial, well-funded opposition. Um, like that's, it's unfortunately just not the case. There, there are things that everybody realizes have to be done. And then there are things that, uh, you know, they're, that are just kind of sacred and, and, Protecting right to work laws to a lot of the conservative movement because as as I've said on the show before, Carl um, Rove put the playbook out on Fox News about six years ago or no it was about ten years ago I'm sorry um, he just said if you can if you can take about ten percent of unions revenue away you will take away their ability to participate in politics and you will defund the Democratic Party at a national level mm-hmm. um, so that's what's that's what's going on and and it's not as though one crisis is going to let, uh, you know, the Republican Party be willing to, uh, you know, let Democrats kind of get a foothold, um, that's just, it's just not going to happen. Um, so there are things that are, are not going to change, but I think uh, legislators are facing a new reality where they've got to be a little bit more cautious in, in how overt their, uh, their efforts are against workers. So hopefully there is uh, less. There's less opposition to workers trying to organize um, because right now you know the, the vast majority of Americans do not own businesses. Mm-hmm. They are not CEOs, they are workers and they are the ones who are you know kind of asking for a hand right now. so if they don't if they don't get it, they're gonna come looking for it.
0: All right, Ed, I, uh, I apologize to all my listeners for being momentarily optimistic. I'll go back to the old jaded Ben Jarowski that people... Don't use. ever apologize.
4: <laughs> ...for being momentarily optimistic. I think, hey, I think the, the Bulls, Bulls are going to win the championship this year. <laughs> whenever, whenever the, you know, it starts back up, that's what I'm optimistic I, about.
0: I, I, I'll tell you what, I think the Bulls have about as a good a chance as LeBron James and the Lakers of winning the championship because I don't know if there will be a championship this year. So uh, let's close, Ed, by... Yeah. Uh, uh, giving a shout out to people who are um, on the front line, so to speak. I had this moment. I never had a moment like this before. It was the, uh, I was at the Walgreens picking up a prescription and I just felt so, uh, just re- I, this moment of gratitude uh, for the woman behind the counter. I, I don't know if, and she wasn't a pharmacist. Yeah. She was a pharmacist assistant and she was wearing a mask. You know, and they're open. They're giving their their, yeah. their pills out. And I just I just got to thank you. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> almost like crying. Almost, thank you for doing this job. She looked at me like I was nuts, but uh, I do feel a lot of gratitude for. Folks no, I mean, and- you
4: you you couldn't you couldn't be more right about that. Um, I mean, there are a lot of different classes of essential workers. Construction workers are among them, but uh, let's not pretend for a second that the, the, the heroes here are not. Um, the healthcare workers that are, in many cases, I've uh, I've heard from um, other healthcare workers saying that emergency room doctors are sleeping in their cars in the parking lots because they can't go home to their families because they of just being exposed day by day. Um, the uh, University of Chicago, uh, or I'm sorry, the UI or um, University of Illinois nurses that were all diagnosed. These people are, are willfully putting their health, their lives at risk because they know that. Every day they go to work, they can help ten people, or twenty people, or a hundred people. And uh, I think we've all gotta—we've all gotta take our hats off to healthcare workers. Um, but you know, as you said, Ben, this is people need medicine, people need food. We haven't seen the store shelves get empty uh, as many people thought they would because uh, truck drivers are still delivering food, and the grocery store workers are still stocking the shelves. There are a lot of people that are doing these ordinary day-to-day things that are making society function. Yeah, we're all at home. A lot of people are at home, bored out of their minds. Zoom conferences and free conference call and the bandwidth on everybody's Netflix has taken a beating because everyone's on the Internet all day. Mm-hmm. But there's not chaos in the streets, and that's because the people who are working who, to keep things normal, to keep the basic things functioning, and uh, you know, we, we can't forget about them when this is over.
0: Well put, Ed. Ed, thanks very much for coming on. Stay safe. We'll talk to you uh, in about a month. All right, Ed?
4: That sounds great. You take care of yourself. You too,
0: Dennis. All right. Very That's good. Great Ed Maher, operating uh, uh, engineers, One, Local 150. And uh, couldn't agree with him more. Yeah, I had that moment, D, where I was like, oh, I love you. Let me hug you. Uh, no. Six feet. Six feet. Stay away. <laughs> Anyway, you know what? Uh, Let's not let this crisis go to waste. Yeah, let's get an infrastructure bill. Yeah, let's put people to work. Yeah, let's have more apprentice programs. Yeah, let's have more training programs. Come on, Rom. Get on the ball. Get to work for something good for a change, huh? (laughs) Anyway, I agree with Ed Maher, one hundred percent. All right, D. That's uh, that's about it for uh, the first segment of the show. Our work is just beginning, folks. We have a couple more interviews. Uh, Lenny will be coming on, and uh, some- our Chicago Reader colleague Lenny Mona Hoppenworth. Yes, uh, not Whoopi Sanders, but Lenny. Yeah, uh, and uh, we'll interview her. We'll drop that later tonight. A Miles last We're going to do an interview with him. We'll drop that Saturday. So we're a couple of busy little beavers here on the Benjirovsky Show. But that's it for the the live show. I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. You know who he is back home in Alton. You know what they call him, D? You know what they call him? What they call me? <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Hey, and remember,
1: everybody, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J. bonus interviews like the one we're about to record with Miles Camp Lassen at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites And wherever else you download your favorite podcast downloaders, we do live stream this program. If you've got nothing going on, that's a joke. I know you got nothing going on. You should join us sometime Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time or, you know, about 2.40, whatever time we feel like getting off here. Turns out different days. But join us at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Join that YouTube channel, and then you will be able to join the Ben Jarofsky Show live stream chat. Yeah, I know. They're like an additional character here on the show. You can join that live stream chat. Weigh in, and we may read your comment if you watch your language. We'll see you tomorrow.